0: So, all right, we're going to jump in. If you have a Bible, 1 Corinthians 13 is where we're going to be looking at today. We have been in a series that we have called What Happy Couples Know. And I want you to know right now that as we're speaking, um, the Ethiopia team that is going overseas is literally taking off from the ground. Like I called Carrie at about 1040 and she said, we're in line, we're boarding the plane, So nine of them from New Community are headed to Ethiopia. Please be praying for them. We're excited to see how that goes. And uh, pray for Will. He's the only guy on that trip. Um, I would challenge and encourage you, even this week, to just say, hey, I'm going to take every day at lunch and I'm going to pray for this team. Or every day at dinner, we're going to pray for this team. Because it's not an easy trip. It's a hard trip. But it's a trip that... Uh, we as a church commit to, and so I would encourage you, even though you weren't able to go, to pray, to be praying for the team, because they're going to come back next week, and you're going to, I'm telling you, this is what happens. They're going to come back, and you're going to be like, that's, they they just look a little weird. They look a little different. They look a little fired up, and they will be, and you're going to get to hear their stories and be impacted by the things that God has done throughout that, actually two weeks, because they won't get back till Monday. So, Are you ready? I got too many things in my head today. Josh is our worship leader and he's not here and I'm still thinking music. 1 Corinthians 13, we're gonna jump in. So we're wrapping up this series. We've been talking about that. What, What do happy couples know? What are the things that set these happy couples apart, the couples that are committed to Christ, that are following what he has? For them, And many of you are excited simply today that I don't have a box full of hope, dreams, and desires on stage because you were tired of hearing about my hope, dreams, and desires. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to the podcast, and you don't want to feel like expectations. The guys are really excited because they don't want to talk about their hope, dreams, and desires anymore. But here's the reality. I do want to give you a review. What we said weeks ago was this. Happy couples decide, first of all, that they owe each other everything, but they are owed nothing in return. We said that's what what convinces a happy couple to understand what it means to serve each other, that you owe me nothing, whether you're married, engaged, dating, whatever. You owe me nothing, but I owe you everything, and I'm gonna pour myself out for you. And then we said because of that, that the happy couple's relationship is a race to the back of the line. It's what we called a submission competition. How much can I pour myself out for you? How much can we serve each other? When, When we're both selfless, that's when that submission competition happens. And then we said that, Last week, that happy couples know, uh, this was my favorite. Sometimes you have to throw things, but hopefully not at each other. Hopefully, you're throwing those things to God and trusting God to carry those things. So, today, I want to tell you right up front here's the thing that we're going to dig into. Here's the one thing I want you to hold on to. Happy couples know they have a choice. Happy couples know they have a choice. Now, I want you to hear this this choice that happy couples know they have. It is the single most important choice you're going to make every single day. But I will tell you, it is a choice that often feels less like a choice and more like a reaction. It doesn't always feel like you're making a choice. It doesn't always feel like you have the power of this decision. It sometimes feels like you're just reacting. But I'm telling you today, it is a choice, and happy couples make the happy choice. All right? So here's the thing this week that you get to ask each other. And and do this out of grace and love, not out of sarcasm. Are you making the happy choice? Some of you are not going to take that well when your spouse asks you. Okay, so before I tell you about this choice, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that most of you, no matter where you're coming from or where you are spiritually, whether you've been in church your whole life or this is your first time ever, you're going to be familiar with this, and you're familiar with it because when it comes to romantic relationships, we hear this passage all the time. These verses that we're going to read, they were written originally from the early church leader Paul to a church in the city of Corinth. And what I want you to understand about this is that when Paul writes this letter, Paul is actually confronting religious thinking of his day. He's actually talking to a people in a city and a place, and what these people believed religiously was that there were many gods, and that the many gods were angry most of the time. And so the way that your religion functioned was that you should simply try to live your life in order to appease, to make happy, to please the gods. And so it became what I would call a vertical religion, right? What I mean by that is the gods are up there, the gods are mad, the gods are angry, so what can we do to appease the gods? Let's go to the temple, let's make a sacrifice, let's do what we need to do. And because of that, here's the reality, right? Because that was the way the religious worldview existed, morality didn't matter too much. It wasn't so much about how you lived your life, it was more about when your crop was due, you had to go and appease the gods because they had to make them happy. When there was a problem, when there hadn't been rain, when there were things going on, you had to make the gods happy. So Paul, this early missionary of the Christian faith, shows up in these type of cultures and he starts to reshape their religion based on who Jesus Christ was. And he takes what was a vertical religion and he says, yes, that matters that there is one true God and you need to worship the one true God and live your life to honor the one true God, but it's not just vertical. There's also a horizontal nature to religion. Because your relationships matter. And so we said Paul all over the place says, I want you to treat people the way God himself, the God of love, has treated you. So Paul's thinking basically fleshes out in this way. The way you treat people and the way you love people reveals most clearly how you love God. Now that's a whole sermon in itself that I'm not gonna preach today, but you can write that down and think about it this week. The way you treat people reflects how you love God. And that's where we pick up in this really, really familiar chapter of scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Now, here's my question. How many of you have heard this read at a wedding? Okay, come on, hands up, participation. We're gonna gonna get involved today. Okay, how many of you had this read at your wedding? How many of you maybe read this at a wedding? You weren't good enough to be the groomsman, but you were the Bible reader. Like, you're the Christian. Just read the Bible and go sit down. Okay, so we, I wanna tell you something a little bit secret about this passage. This is not really a wedding chapter. This is not a chapter that Paul wrote and said, hey, I'm writing this letter to the church. They're gonna do weddings. They need some verses. Here we go, love. This is not the way it was written. It fits weddings, but it's not primarily about weddings. We've made it that way because it's so beautiful and it's so relevant to marriage and love inside of marriage, but it was originally intended for a church. In fact, this chapter is a gritty chapter all about love and how it affects every relationship we're in. But here's the thing, and I want you to look for this because there's one thing, one line in this chapter that does not make sense. And I'm telling you that because this very line is the secret today to what happy couples know. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to start at verse 1. Here's what it says. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. So Paul begins here. He's speaking of some of the things that were taking place in this church in Corinth. In the worship of their church, there were these experiences of worship that were somewhat ecstatic, emotional, full of passion. But Paul says, those aren't the main things. If you don't have love, you're missing it. Then he goes on verse 2. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, he says, I am nothing. I am nothing. He says, if I don't have love, it doesn't matter how super spiritual I am. I'm a nobody. We said this a few weeks ago, but spiritual knowledge doesn't automatically equate to spiritual depth. He says, if you don't have love, there's nothing to it. Verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor... And if I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. See, I gain nothing. He says, now he, he's he's talked, he says, now he's getting at motives. Right? He says, You're you're giving generously. You're the wealthiest, you're the super giver in church. If you're there on Sunday, the offering goes up, way to go. But he says, if you don't have love, you've gained nothing. I, I think you could say it this way: if you're giving to get, you're getting nothing from God. And then Paul gets really super practical in defining and describing what love is. He says, love is patient, right? Love is patient. It puts somebody else first. It gets to the back of the line. Then he says, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. So love is patient. It waits. It holds on. It's not in a hurry all the time. Love is kind. Kindness defers. It says, I'm gonna seek your good instead of my good. It does not envy. See, love is not about jealousy. Jealousy. It's not about envying the other person. Love does not boast. It's not about one-upmanship. It's not about the competition in the relationship of who's better, who's achieving more, who's doing more. It's not proud. It's not seeking to be center stage. Then verse five, it says, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Aren't these things nice and easy? No, (laughs) it does not dishonor others. See, I'll be sinning. He says, love, love doesn't tear the other person down. It doesn't look to destroy the nature of who the other person is. It's not self-seeking. It moves to the back of the line. It's not easily angered. It doesn't have that short temper. Just look at me, don't look at your spouse. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Now, man, it would be so much better if it said love keeps a record of wrongs because I'm really good at that. I Like, my memory is infallible when somebody else screws up. I Remember that date? I remember the date, the time, the day. Like, love keeps no record of wrongs? And then it says this, verse 6. Paul says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Now, that's tricky. We'll come back to that at the end because he goes into this rapid-fire list here in verse 7. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always... Perseveres. Now, this is the line. This is the line that I think there's one phrase in here that does not make sense and kind of bothers me a little bit about love. And I don't know if you caught it, but one of these, I'm going to tell you why. One of these is not completely dependent on the person doing the loving. It's not dependent on the er. It's actually dependent on the love e. don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it. This phrase, he says it anyway. Did you catch it? Always trusts. Love always trusts. See, I want you to think about this. I I can protect. I can act out protection. I can live out protection. I can love you in a way that protects you. I can protect my kids, protect my wife. I can hope. I can stay hopeful. I can even persevere. But trusts, Paul says love always trusts. And the question that I would ask is how? Because here's the reality that, that most of us are thinking about. Trust is contingent on the person being loved, not the lover. But Paul says it anyway. He says, love always trusts. Now listen, this is it. This is the thing that happy couples know. Love defaults to trust. Love, at the core of what it is, at the core of a relationship, will default to trust. This is the habit. This is the ongoing mark of a happy couple. Let me, let me illustrate it for you this way. I hope you can all see this. When it comes to your relationships, every relationship you're in, now, now it could be marriage, It could be that you're engaged, it could be that you're dating, it could be that you are thinking about dating, it could be that you have a friend, it could be whatever, whatever relationship you're in. When it comes to your relationships, there are expectations that you have. There are things that you expect to be true. There are things that you look at your spouse, your partner, your fiance, your your friend, and you expect will happen. And then there's a gap because between your expectations is experiences. There's a reality that we have expectations and there's a gap based on what we experience. So, so let me break this down because you're looking at me confused. He said he would pick up the kids by 4 p.m. Expectation. Experience? Are you with me? Anybody awake? The expectation he will pick up the kids at 4. He said he would do it. The, The expectation, she will have dinner ready. The expectation, he will ask me when I walk in the door, how was your day, honey? Can I give you a massage? There's an expectation. She will make sure to call me. My wife, we pick, I pick on her all the time because she never calls me. Ever, never, 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 never calls me. I don't have a real job. She has a real job, so that's why. It's my fault. But she's called me five times today from the airport in Ethiopia, or not in Ethiopia, in D.C., so it's better. But there's expectations. Are you with me? And there's a gap between those expectations and your experience. The experience says, well, he didn't show up to get the kids. Again. The school's reporting us (laughs) because we never pick him up. Dinner wasn't ready when I got home. When I walked in the door, he was checked out looking at the news and he didn't even ask me how my day was. She never calls. By the way, this is always and never, these are the ways that they come in to curse our marriage, right? I'm just saying. And there's a gap between those things. So what I want to say, we have our expectations, we have our experiences. Every couple has these things. Everyone, and here's what matters. In the middle of this gap, You make the choice, and happy couples make the right choice. Unhappy couples make the wrong choice, but here's the choice. It may not feel like a choice, but it is the choice you make. You make the choice to either assume the worst or to believe the best. That's the choice. That's the choice that every single happy couple makes, to believe the best. Now, do you see that? Do you see how this happens every single time between our expectations and our experiences? We either believe the best about what we're experiencing or we assume the worst. Now, this doesn't feel like a choice, does it? Some of you are sitting here and you're like, I didn't choose this. I didn't choose what he did. I didn't choose what she did. He does this all the time. She never does this. This is what's going on. It does not feel like a choice because so often for every one of us, it simply feels like a reaction or a repetition Something that we are experiencing again and again and again. We don't feel like we're choosing. We feel like we're reacting or it's forced on us or he's always done this or she's always done this. And we feel like it's a simple reaction between the experiences and the expectations. But it's actually, I'm telling you, I'm going to try to convince you today. You may not believe me, but you hopefully by the end. I'm telling you it's actually a choice. And are you ready for this? Here's what happy couples know. Happy couples make the choice to believe the best every single time. Happy couples make the choice to believe the best because, 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 this is not just me talking, because love always trusts. Love believes the best. You see, every single time there's a gap between our expectations and our experiences for our husband, our wife, our fiance, our partner, every single time that gap exists, you make a choice, I make a choice, we make a choice as to what happens in the middle. And happy couples make the choice to believe the best. This is a hallmark habit. Of happy couples. I'm gonna illustrate this for you in a little bit of a different way, okay? There's a great author named Marcus Buckingham. If you haven't read, he's a great business writer, leadership writer. He wrote a book called The One Thing You Need to Know several years ago. Now, in this book, this is not a Christian book, this is a secular book, so if you're not a Christ follower, I hope this connects with you a little more. But here's what he says. He describes a study that took place, a research study that took place over the course of 20 years of time. And in this study, the researchers studied happy couples, the happiest couples. They looked over 20 years of time and said, who are the couples that started out happy, that kept being happy, that stayed happy, that 20 years later were still happy? And they wanted to know, what are the common denominators behind these couples? What are the things that they do? These were couples that had been together a certain amount of time and were still staying together. So the researchers, what they, what they believed, their hypothesis they said that we think over the course of this study, we're going to find that these couples, when they got married, they were loving roses and flowers and life was perfect. Are you with me? They can't do anything wrong. Everybody's saying, just so good. We're just so blessed. Hashtag blessed. Everything's great. We're good. And they said, we believe that over the course of that time, what we will find is that these couples actually downgraded or lowered their expectations of each other to a more realistic level. That they said, yeah, they, he or she may be not as good as I thought they were, and we're but we're okay. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep making it. Here's what happened. Here's the fascinating part of this study. The exact opposite was true. In these happiest couples, the exact opposite was true. The happiest and most committed couples actually, now check this out, they actually rated each other, they rated their significant other more positively in every single quality studied than the partner rated themselves. So they would sit down, the happiest couples, they would say, they would say How do you feel about your ability to care for the other person? Oh, I'm okay, I'm not great, but I'm, I'm getting there. Eh. The other person, the couple, the spouse would say, They're phenomenal, they're off the charts. They would rate each other. Now, they're amazing. Even if the partner or spouse said, yeah, I'm not so good in that arena, they would rank each other higher. You could say it this way. The happiest couples had an unrealistically positive view of their partner's qualities. So in reality, I think we could say this. This is, the the old statement is true. Love is actually blind, (laughs) right? That's what love does. And what this created, according to these researchers, now listen, I think this is biblical coming from secular authors. Now, this is the beauty of how scripture speaks truth, right? that the secular researchers, the world's researchers, found this thing they called the upward spiral of love. Now, check this out. Here's how the upward spiral of love works. You meet someone, and you go out on a date with someone, and suddenly you've got an illusion of who they are. Oh, they're just so great. They just, their hair was perfect. They smelled like flowers and roses. Andy had big muscles. It was awesome. Everything is great. So we've got this illusion that creates conviction, right? Right? So the illusion about someone creates a conviction that says they truly are the greatest. I didn't just have an experience, I actually believe it. They are the greatest. They are the person that I think they are. And that conviction then creates security. Because I know that they're the greatest, I actually feel secure in my relationship with them. I feel so secure that I'm gonna keep trusting them. Security creates trust. Now here's how the spiral keeps working. Security then, because it's trust, allows for intimacy. Security and trust allows for intimacy in the relationship. So intimacy is this. Intimacy is fearlessly revealing yourself. I trust all of me to all of you. I'm convicted you're the best, and I feel secure in that. Because I trust you, I can be intimate with you. And then here's what happens. In the intimacy, it creates love. Because I'm allowed to be intimate with you, because I trust you, because I'm secure in this, I can then love you. And guess what love does? Love takes us back to the beginning to say the illusion remains so that 20 years later, no, they're phenomenal. All these couples that are happy 20 years later, they're under an illusion, but it's a love illusion, and it's the upward spiral of love. That's what Paul's saying, the choice to believe the best. So here's the recommendation for every, every happy couple. I want you to think about this. I'm going to say this. You're all going to look at me like I'm crazy, okay? Just, just here you go. Find the most generous explanation for the behavior and believe it. Believe the best. Find the most generous explanation for what you're experiencing versus what you expected and believe the best because love always trusts. It always believes. And here's what I know you're saying. This sounds an awful lot like the ruby red slippers. So you're telling me as a pastor, when it comes to my marriage, my relationships, my dating, everything, you're telling me that just to be happy, you're saying I've had this solution the whole time. All I had to do was click my heels together, read my Bible, and believe the best, and everything's okay? That's what you're saying? Here's what I would say. Yep. Now, obviously, there are challenges to this, and we'll talk about two of them in a minute, but regardless, regardless, you have to grab onto this. Every time there's a gap in the middle of what you expect and what you experience, you have a choice to make to either believe the best or assume the worst. Whichever way you go is a decision, a choice that you have made. So what are the obstacles here? I'm gonna give you two of them. There's probably, you probably have a list of 20, but here are the obstacles. The first obstacle is what we experience. You're sitting there going, yeah, I believe the best, but he does it all the time. She never shows up. She never does it. So you just don't understand my marriage. You're right. My marriage is nothing like your marriage. We're perfect in Jesus land in our house. Right, thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> That was a joke. Some of you were like, really? No. <laughs> what you experience, I, I get it. I get it. But you still have a choice. You still have a choice because, because here, here's the important part. The second obstacle I think is more important. The second obstacle is who we are. The obstacle that you face that's more pressing about whether you can believe the best or assume the worst is based on who you are. Can we just be honest about this? You did not show up I did not show up, we did not show up to our relationships as a blank slate. None of us. None of us got married and said, isn't it awesome that I'm just like planted in a field and no one's ever bothered me relationally? We didn't show up as a blank slate. We came with all that we are. We entered a relationship with every bit of who we are. We brought all of our junk, You brought all of your baggage. You brought every father wound you ever had. You brought every mother wound. You brought your family legacies. You bring past relationships. You brought the boyfriends that you stayed with for way too long that you should have broken up with years ago. You brought the girlfriends that that you shouldn't have been with. You brought all that stuff to your relationship. And because of that, because of that, there are certain behaviors that in you are triggered between your expectations and your experiences. So l- let me illustrate it this way. When you showed up on your honeymoon and you unpacked your luggage, we're gonna get real uncomfortable right now, okay? Everybody with me? My parents were at the first service, so I can say whatever I want. And we unpacked our luggage and we brought out our beautiful lingerie. And honey, aren't you just glad we're here together? It's the honeymoon, it's gonna be awesome. You didn't just unpack that luggage. You actually started to unpack all the suitcase of junk from the first years of your life. You said, here, I've got all this gift to bring to you, but I've also got all the junk that I've carried with you. I'm sorry, I talked about lingerie. Um You brought all this stuff, and all of who you are came to that relationship. But, but, even with all that, even with what you experience and who you are, you still have a choice to assume the worst, to throw the whole thing away, (laughs) or believe the best. I don't need this. We'll be fine. It's still a choice every single Time. And let me dig. Let me dig a little bit deeper, and then we're going to start to wind up. I want to say this to you. Suspicion, okay? Suspicion is a self-fulfilling prophecy, okay? Now, hang with me. Some of you are like, wait, what do you, what do you mean? If you assume the worst, if you, when it comes to your relationship and the expectations and experience, if you, every single time you assume the worst, you will eventually, I promise you, will eventually find something to be suspicious about. Because when you're in a relationship with a person that is low trust, think back to that spiral, when it's low trust, when you're living this out or you're creating a low trust environment, you are on pins and needles all the time. When that exists, suspicion finds a home for whatever reason. I'm not blaming you. I'm saying that suspicion will find a home. And maybe because of your past, maybe because the, the, maybe the low trust will begin to create an environment for the person to actually do what you thought they were going to do all along. Suspicion sets the stage for the very things that you fear the most. And that's why, listen, this is so important. Go back to that last slide, if you would, Terry. This is why it's so important that we begin to focus more on who we are and less on what we experience. Because the only obstacle for you to actually truly begin to believe the best, the thing that you can change, you have no power over what you experience. You only have power over who you are. Not just what the other person is doing. It's so much easier to focus on what they said or what they did. That's really easy for me. I can shoot targets at that. But when I have to focus on who I am, it demands that I confront something. And can I just say this to the singles in the room? Because this serious. I want to just frame this not just for married couples. I want to challenge singles as well. If you are moving towards relationships, if you're pursuing relationships, if you're praying, God, someday send me a relationship, focus on who you are before you ever try to focus on what you experience. Some of us, our whole dating world, I, I, I can share this story, this, this service. Um, my daughter, my, my middle school daughter showed me a text yesterday of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, something like that, telling her friend, not, not that she liked, th- that this boy liked the friend. Not my daughter, the friend. My, my daughter was like, don't tell them that he liked me. I was like, okay, got it. Good with that. But, but there were like three chains of he texted her, and she had to text her, and she had to text, and, and then, so, so here's what I thought. <laughs> Adults aren't any better at dating relationships, are we? Like, can you imagine? I, I just, I, it's so hard today, Right? It's so hard, this pursuit of, of dating and singleness, and how it, and it's so difficult. And so singles, my heart breaks for you, and, and I'm praying for you truly as we've walked through the series. I've been praying, God, show what it means to be patient. Show what it means to trust, to, to pursue, because the pursuit of the dating culture that we live in is go after what you can experience. Go find what you can experience. Go get as much connection with other people as you can. Go live it up, party, whatever. Find as many people. Go after what you experience. And so little of our dating culture is based on focus on who you are. So the singles challenge that I offer every time is take 365 days, one year, and focus on becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. I'll say that again. Take one year, just one year, and focus on becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Because if you do that, you will, you will be, I'm telling you guys, girls, listen, you will become the most attractive person probably in three states because you're focusing on who you are. You're pursuing who you are. So with all this in mind, to say that happy couples make the choice to believe the best, I want to look at 1 Corinthians 13, just a couple verses, one more time, and reframe this as we close. Here's what it says, verse six, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. You see, when we believe the best, love is not trying to catch the other person doing something wrong. It's not building a case against the other person. It's not hiding behind the refrigerator going, I saw you put that dish in there. You didn't wash it. I got gotcha. you. We believe the best. We believe the best. We don't keep a score. Verse 7, love always protects and it protects from suspicion from lack of trust love is protective of the relationship love puts choices in the middle to protect the relationship and believe the best it finds the generous explanation love always protects it always trusts it chooses the generous explanation it thinks about things long enough to come up with something good something kind something well well being for the relationship it always hopes that the trend of the relationship is positive. What is getting better? Let me ask you this. What is getting better in your relationship today that wasn't a year ago? Some of you are going, nothing. I get it. And maybe God is calling you to start hoping. Maybe that's step one. It always trusts. It always perseveres. By the way, perseverance indicates resistance. Perseverance is not, well, we were married for 40 years. We bought our lake house. Life was perfect. There was nothing hard about our life. We are so blessed. Perseverance says there's resistance. There's struggle, there's fight, and because of that, you get stronger. I I will say this, some of your past may come back in the future, but love is determined to trust anyway. Now, here's the question. Based on what you know about yourself, based on the state of your relationship right now and your very being, forget, listen, forget him or her for just a minute and focus on you. Do you believe the best or do you assume the worst? What's the natural tendency for you because, because it's your choice every single time. And happy couples know it's a choice and they make the happy choice. Now, I know, I know that you're saying, but you don't understand he does this or she doesn't do this. But listen, what's the other option, right? You, you want to write 1 Corinthians 13 from your perspective, the other options perspective? Love delights in uncovering mistakes. Doesn't that sound fun? Love makes it really unsafe for the other person. Love thrives on speculation. Love assumes the worst. Love embraces doubt. See, those other options don't work. Love makes the choice. Happy couples make the choice every single time. So here's your homework. I've given you homework every week of this series. You ready? <laughs> Some of you are like, nope. <laughs> Decide. Decide that just for one week, just for one week, before you get the information, I'm going to come up with a generous explanation, and I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe it. Because when you choose to trust, listen, when you choose to trust, trust signifies commitment. Trust tells the other person, I'm committed, I'm not going to, I'm committed to you. And here's what happens. Our hearts as human beings are drawn towards trust. Think about the people in your life that you want to let down the least Those are the people that you trust and you respect and you admire the most. So when you create a high pattern of trust, you create the pattern, this environment of high acceptance. And every single one of us are drawn toward that. It will create this love magnet thing in your relationship. It's like a 60s groove song, right? Like it creates this love magnet that's going to draw you towards each other. It will re-spark your relationship when you begin to believe the best. You want to increase the intimacy. Believe the best. You want to increase the commitment, the trust, the safety. Believe the best. You make the choice and here's what I know. I know this doesn't fix everything. I know that right now this doesn't change or make solutions easy. I know that some of you still have to deal with things. I know that some of you are coming out of broken marriages, broken relationships, and you're saying, those are the things that killed my marriage. That gap between expectation and experience, I tried to believe, I get it. But I'm saying to you, God, God practices this love for us and he wants to rebuild it. When it's over, when you believe the best, you get back to that upward spiral of love because happy couples know that believing the best is a choice every single time and we work and we fight and we honor each other when we choose to believe the best. Let's pray together as the band comes.